You're listening to audio from Holy Cross Church in Tucson, Arizona. To find more resources and learn more about our ministry, please visit holycrosstucson.com. I'm Charles Garland. I'm a pastor down at Midtown, which is a church that this church helped start a few years back. Um, so we're down by the university and connected up with uh, campus ministry, a Reform University Fellowship that I know a lot of y'all have supported as well. And, uh, you know, we always know ministers and elders more than the congregations, but we feel a lot of kinship for you and uh, a lot of sorrow for you this week as well. Um, we're praying for you last week at church. We meet in the afternoons and uh, there are a lot of people who are connected to this congregation and who love Thanks you. Thanks for listening to this audio from Holy Cross Church. You. Visit and, us uh, at holycrosstucson.com um, to I find say more too, resources we start, and connect um, with us. Four years ago, uh, when I had um, a similar situation here, um, we should have handled that better as a uh, Presbytery. And I'm sorry. Um, we meant well, I think, um, but um, I've felt a lot this week that, that we left you guys in a bad situation and we probably left Pete in a bad situation. And um, just hear that from, from me at least that uh, I wish we had loved you better. So, um, I'm not going to try to cheer you up today. Um, um, I'm here to lament with you and to talk about lament. Um, lament's basically taking your anger and heartbreak to Jesus. Uh, and by all the biblical examples, uh, in a very honest way, um, we're going to look at Psalm 13, which is one of many we could look at uh, to see Christians lamenting before God. Uh, and in lament, you sort of get the unvarnished uh, version of prayer where people are not trying to sound super spiritual or stiff upper lipped, but to be honest with God about their anger, about their heartbreak and sorrow and wish that he would do something different than he's doing to help. All right, so let me pray for us and uh, then we'll read the scripture. Father, please uh, come help us. Uh, thank you for what I've heard today about how you have been helping uh, in real time of trouble and grief at Holy Cross. Um, thank you for the encouraging words of the songs we got to sing, for James leading us. Um, thank you for Garrett's strength and stability in uh, leading us calmly in difficult time. And now as we look at your word, we pray that you'd open our hearts to you uh, give us what we need. We don't know what we need necessarily, and but you do. So come meet with us and speak to us, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, this is Psalm 13 that David wrote. It says, How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day. How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? 
Consider and answer me, O Lord my God. Uh, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. Lest my enemies say I prevailed over him. And lest my foes rejoice because I'm shaken. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he's dealt bountifully with me. This is the word of the Lord. It's absolutely true. And it's given to us because he loves us. I'm going to pass along a story. A friend of mine told me several years ago, a seminary friend went to Florida uh, in his first call out of school. And um, in their church, there was a man he would notice, an older man who'd come in kind of sporadically, uh, sit in the back. And most of the times when he showed up, he would leave, you know, before the benediction, he just kind of slip out. And so uh, my friend Andrew said, I, I'm going to go hear that dude's story. And so he went and asked him, this is in Florida. And the more you hear the story, the more it feels like a Florida story. But um, guy said that he had grown up on the west coast of Florida, uh, genuine cracker country, if you know kind of what that means. This isn't the uh, immigrants from New York part of Florida. This is the old kind of Florida. And uh, said that he and his family were active in their church had a 14-year-old sister who played the organ at the church. Uh, and, uh, and the minister of the church uh, ran off with the 14-year-old sister of this man, went to Canada to avoid statutory laws. For some reason, I guess it was legal, but who knows why, came back to visit two years later so his sister's 16 now. And the first day they were back, he said, my father shot the preacher dead. Understandably. Um, it's very Florida. He says his uncle was the justice of the peace, the sheriff, and told him, if you stay, we have to prosecute you. Told his dad. He said, but if you disappear, we won't come looking for you. And so that's what they did. They left very quickly with very little, went to the Okefenokee Swamp, which is textbook disappearing. And uh, said so they just kind of lived in a shack there. His dad did turpentine work, which sounds really horrible. Um, says dad was violently anti-Christian. After that, he burned his Bible, um, cursed the church. And he kind of lived as a hermit, and he made them live that way, too, really, they didn't have much outside contact with people at all. And that's how he grew up the rest of the way. And so he's telling the story to my friend Andrew, and he says, but, he says, but God saved me. Like, he became a Christian against all odds, right? He says, the Lord saved me. I, I love him. I love his people. But stepping into a church uh, is pretty terrifying for me. And uh, said, so... Sometimes I can handle it, and sometimes I can't handle it. Um, he said, I used to beg God um, to heal me. And then I started realizing like, there's some Christians who have crippled legs that aren't going to be well again until Jesus comes back, until the resurrection. And he said, I, I've got a broken mind. 
And uh, I'm waiting for the day when I see Jesus and my mind will be made whole again. But kind of living with it in the meantime, he says, but I'm okay. He says, I know Jesus. I know I'll see him. But this is kind of best I can do. Um, you think that's okay as a response? I mean, that's not the testimony we put on the church website, you know, for the new people. Um, but I kind of respect it. You know, I uh, think he's doing better than I do in that situation. Because, um, I mean, he has the hope we have, right, that Jesus is going to make things right. He's going to do justice finally that's, that's absolutely wide open and true and just justice. He's going to redeem the pain that we feel in our lives. Like that He treasures our tears and stores them up, but that He's going to stop them and wipe every last tear from our eyes one day. Like that's our hope. James had us singing about it, I thought, very beautifully this morning. But not yet. For the most part, not yet. Uh, the tears aren't gone yet. They're sure not gone now, are they? And uh, the meantime, between now and when Jesus finally sets things to rights, is mean time. Uh, it's, uh, it's hard and it's going to be hard. And that's why Christians, with the examples we have in the Scripture of how to pray, uh, have so many examples of lament as prayer. Because right, we need to lament. And certainly we need to lament now. Um, so we're going to think about this briefly in a couple of heads. One, that we need to lament. And second, we need to lament with hope. Um, first, we need to lament. Um, do you ever pray like this? It's a weird prayer. My prayers are more like you know, like a four-year-old's Christmas list. I want this, and I want that, and I want this. And David hardly asks for anything here. Like he's just he's just kind of unbridling himself, right? He's mad, and he feels forsaken, and he's on the edge of despair. And you know, like I can't take this, right? That's his prayer. Um, I can't take this. Uh, what do you? What are you going to do? When are you going to do something? Um, but it's a good and needful prayer, right? He, he needs to pray this way. C.S. Lewis, who talks a lot about grief better than most of us. He talks about everything better than most of us. But he said this, um, kind of striking in lament. He said, where is God? Go to him when your need is desperate. When all other help is vain, and what do you find? A door slammed in your face, and a sound of bolting and double bolting on the inside, and after that, silence. You may as well turn away, because the longer you wait, the more emphatic the silence will become. Now, is that how a Christian talks? Yeah, that's how a Christian talks. That's lament. That's how David's talking. That's, those are words of a believer, right? That's his way of saying, how long? 
How long? Don't you see? Don't you care about this? And it's believers' terms because for believers, we know God sees and is able to help us and change things, prevent things from happening. And so it's doubly vexing when He won't, right? Like, you could stop this. You could have stopped this. Um, and you didn't. Um, so knowing His ability to help, you know, makes it harder. You can say, like the hymnist, behind a, a frowning providence, He hides a smiling face and believe that, but the frowning providence is pretty hard to sit in, right? Um, but that's why lament is normal for Christians, because this is the meantime. Right? We're not home yet. The world's not fixed yet. And, um, and the road home seems pretty violent. Right? Lament's abnormal. It's an intruder. We won't always lament. Um, sin and death are intruders too. And um, these things are temporary. In heaven, there will be no lament, right? Um, that's going to end, but not yet. And because we live in the meantime, it's okay to lament. Like, it's okay to complain. You don't have to spiritual up your prayers to make it sound like you're embarrassed for hurting, right? You can pray and say what you need to say. Say what you need, what you feel. It's not ungrateful to do that. It's not weak to do that. And what else are you going to do with your pain? Um, what are you going to drink? Numb it? Are you going to distract yourself so you don't have to think about things? Um, are you going to do what stupid Christians do, which is try to overwhelm your pain with optimistic faith? <laughs> Pain don't hurt. I'm a Christian, right? Um, I worry that that's what we did four years ago as we tried to overwhelm pain with optimistic faith and uh, lament is better. Right? Um, we have to take our pain to Jesus in the meantime. But we lament with hope, right? Something changes between verses 4 and 5 in this psalm. I don't know what. Um, but he went from, I'm shaken, to I have trusted in your steadfast love. And maybe he's just remembering it, you know. I mean, it takes a long time to write out a poem, I guess. And um, he's trying to say, yeah, kind of like James had us do when we sang today. Yeah, I know him at the bedrock. Um, I do have a real hope. He is going to fix things. Um, but what he says is pretty specific. He says in verse 5, I've trusted in your steadfast love. And your translation may say something like loving kindness or something. They always struggle to translate that word because it seems to be, it's a pretty rich idea. It's God's uh, committed, faithful love for us that can never end. You know, um, it's close to what we say when we, when we, say, we talk about His grace in our lives. Um, it's like he is never going to let you go. And David's saying, I trust in that. I trust in that promise that he's never going to let me go, um, even though I'm bewildered right now. You know? So um, the word steadfast love there, it, 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 it's supposed to be like a window into God's heart for us, though, that, 
knowing us as he does, he knows us to the bottom and he's decided to move out towards us with love and mercy to come rescue us instead. It's because he loved the world that he sent his son to rescue us and that he's committed to having us and getting us home to him. And so that's what he kind of latches on to in the middle of his grief is, um, I know because of Jesus coming for me um, that it's safe to trust him and that I'll be okay if I trust him. So, and the idea that in order to rescue us that Jesus uh, entered into our suffering and grief it feels immensely important to me in a time like this because it means that God doesn't just know our sorrows, but He's empathetic. Like He feels what we feel. He has felt what we feel. He feels what we feel now. He feels it more deeply than we do. He's more angry than you are. He's more brokenhearted than you are. And I don't know why that works the way it does, but it it's tremendously comforting to know you have an empathetic God, right? Um, and He's going to end it, right? Uh, he's going to end our tears. He's going to end the curse. And it won't be like this forever. Right? And, um, look, I, I hope for better days for Holy Cross than this one. Um, being with you all this morning in both services and the congregational meeting, I, I'm a lot more optimistic about you all than I was driving over here. Um, and I know, you know, that Jesus' promises are true and He's going to end things that are broken. But uh, now is the time to lament. Yeah. It's the time to lament, to take your anger and to take your heartbreak to the empathetic ears of Jesus. Um, C.S. Lewis, again, talking about suffering, he said, when you're suffering, a little bit of courage is better than a lot of knowledge. Yeah, knowledge is fine. It just doesn't do you that much good. And then he says, uh, and a little human sympathy it helps a lot more than even having some courage. Um, but if you can get a flicker of God's love, that matters more than anything. Right. I felt like we've had flickers of God's love here this morning in a way that I'm very thankful for. There's some beauty in the midst of pain. So uh, this is the meantime. Lament. We're not home yet, but lament knowing it won't always be this way. Thanks for listening to this audio from Holy Cross Church. Visit us at holycrosstucson.com to find more resources and connect with us.